0: Let's take them and turn them back to the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been doing a series of messages on the but gods of the Bible. And 1 Corinthians has a lot of those phrases in there. And I'm going to be looking at, I believe, the last one in 1 Corinthians. So let's let's stand out of respect for God's infallible, inerrant word. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We'll look at one verse of Scripture and draw our thoughts from that. 1 Corinthians 10 and look at verse number 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation. We ought to circle that word no. That covers a lot, okay? Not only in their day, in our day as well. No temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. There's our, but God. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to preach on, But God is faithful. To not let you be tempted above that you're able. You see, God interrupts our temptation. God can interrupt our temptation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you that a relationship with you is just that. A relationship. A walking, talking, daily relationship with you that I can experience, God, that I'm invited into, Father. And God, as we walk in this daily walk with you, we know the reality of the world around us. We know that temptation lies at the door wherever we are. And Father, we we don't want to sin, Father. We don't want to fall prey to temptation. And so, Father, I pray that You would teach us today how our temptations are interrupted by You. And, Father, I pray that we would cling to this message uh, uh, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, when, when, the, the, when temptation rears, rears its ugly head. We pray that we would see uh, evidently that, uh, uh, that way of escape, Father, and we would go through it, take it immediately. God, teach us today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, when I was a child, I I never missed the funny papers. My parents would always buy the Sunday funny papers and I'd read those on the way back from church You know, when they'd pick it up after church. And I I loved to read the funny pages. One of my favorite was uh, uh, Frank and Ernest. How many of you remember Frank and Ernest? The two hapless hobos uh, on the comic book pages. And I tell you what, those guys, they just cracked me up. But one of the Frank and Ernest comic strips was particularly funny and deals with the area that we're talking about today. Frank and Ernest were standing in front of a priest and Frank asked him this, how come opportunity only knocks once but temptation beats down my door every day? Boy, isn't that the truth? That temptation beats down the door every day. You see, uh, Frank seems to hit the nail on the head when it comes to the area of temptation or the enticement to sin. Every day we're bombarded with enticements from the world, the flesh, and the devil to, to transgress against God's law. That's why when I, when I became a, being disciple, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, I've often referred to that a period of discipleship with some godly men in Atlanta. The second verse that we learned to memorize in that discipleship. the first one was uh, about the assurance of our salvation and uh, how it was First John uh, 1 John 5:10, uh, 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 that uh, he that hath Christ uh, uh, he that has, hath Christ hath life. And so man I'm, I'm falling short on my memory verse but uh, but it's assurance of salvation the second one is the assurance of victory and that's found in 1 Corinthians 10:13 although I've made, kind of forgotten the first one 1 Corinthians 10:13 is something that I use often it's a good word from the Lord to memorize 1 Corinthians, the, the, the promises contained in this verse are a hold fast in the midst of the strongest enticements that we'll encounter in life. Listen, if there's ever a passage of Scripture that is a necessity to hide in your heart, especially with the provocations of Satan in these days, this ought to be one written across our heart. But God is faithful is the dynamite phrase that blows a route of escape through the mightiest of temptation. But God is faithful not to let you be tempted above that you're able. You see, every member of God's family can have a first-hand experience of, in the, with the faithfulness of God in the thick of temptation by laying hold of three powerful promises that are in this verse before us today. There are three promises that if you'll grasp them, if you'll get it, this Bible said there is no temptation that you can't find a way to get out of Dodge, that you can't find a way to avoid that temptation. Now the first promise I want you to see is that our temptation is collectively common. Collectively common. We live in a world today where many included and in, uh, indulge in wickedness of this world with the claim of an exceptional ism or an exceptional condition that makes them particularly susceptible to a particular temptation. Uh, but, but Paul levels the playing field. Paul said that there is no temptation taking you, but such is Common to man. A common temptation. You see, temptation is collectively common. First thing I want you to see in this is the selection of temptation is common. The selection of temptation. He said in this verse, no temptation. That pretty much, like I said before, that covers it all. Uh, Even in Paul's day or in our day, no temptation has taken you but such is common to man. You know, the first step in indulging ourselves in a personal sinful temptation is to justify it due to our particular susceptibility. I mean, that's the way the world does it as well. And we can fall prey to the same thing. We can say, well, You might be here today and you may look around this congregation and say to yourself, no one in here has the propensity, has the uh, the draw or, or the the particular set of sin, the particular a particular violation of God's law that I do? Nobody in this place uh, deals with sin like I have to deal with sin. Uh, you, see, you see, you may say, I bet no one. Uh, I am the only one here that battles with that particular urge or temptation. But the Word of God says no. No no temptation is you are not more susceptible to one temptation more than another person is susceptible to another. The draw of temptation is common with all of us. The selection of our temptation is common. You're not spe- you're not a special case. You're not just a, uh, just a, you're just as a filthy, willful, rotten sinner like all the rest of us. You're not a specific case, or uh, uh, you're you're like every one of us in this building. We are all drawn to temptation. We all have a particular besetting sin, something that really gets to us, and and we could go down a vulgar laundry list of sin, but can I get an amen and save me five minutes of preaching for you to say, I know what you're talking about. Amen. We don't have to go down a laundry list. You know exactly what I'm talking about. A sin that besets us. And so don't think that you're just particularly uh, susceptible and and therefore you have to indulge. You see, the selection of temptation is common, but also the strength of temptation is common. Notice what it said in verse 13. There hath no temptation. Look at this phrase. Taking you. Taking you. That phrase, taking you, means to seize or to grab, to to hold on to violently. Not only do we like to think that no one else shares the particular uh, selection of temptation, but no one shares with us in its strength. You see, there's where the real problem lies. I'm more drawn to that particular sin or that particular thing than most other people. I deal with a stronger uh, temptation than other people do. This sinful desire doesn't pull at everyone like it does me. One author wrote this, the way of temptation strikes you and grips you is not unusually strong it may be strong but it's no stronger than it has been in the lives of others whatever sin entangles you whatever sin likes to grab hold of you does not grab a hold of you any harder than it does the preacher than it does the preacher's wife, than it does the deacon, than it does the Sunday school teacher. We all have that seizing moment when it comes to temptation and with no greater strength than another. You see, uh, the pull of the, uh, to, of the alcoholic to drunkenness or the homosexual to their sexual perversion or the thief to his greed is no greater than the liar to his untruths from the, uh, for the gossip uh, to their talebearing. bearing Thinking yourself a special case when it comes to the strength of temptation turns you over to it's to a defeatist attitude. You know what I'm talking about? A defeatist attitude. That I'm I'm marked off as having more of a urge or more of a strong Satan uh, temptation's got a stronger grip on me than anybody else, therefore. It's okay if I just succumb into it. It's okay if I just fall into it because I, I, I'm a special case. I, I, I deal with it more, more difficultly than everybody else. No, Paul said no. It's common. You're tempted. I'm tempted with the same amount of strength. You're no different than the rest of us. So don't sit there and rationalize your sin by saying, well, I'm a special case because Paul said no. No, it's collectively common to all. You see... Uh, but but, uh, but that's, that's, that's a good thing though. That's a good thing. Because when we think of ourselves that way, we can take heart. Your temptation is not unique to you. Therefore, victory, just like other people had it, can be had in your life. If the temptation and the pull of sin is the same for everybody, then if somebody got victory, you can get victory. If victory's been had any time in the past over a particular sin, whether it be lying, stealing, gossip, immorality, drunkenness, drug addiction, I don't care what it is, if it's had victory over in the past, you can have victory today. And I guarantee you there is no sin that Jesus Christ did not have victory over. Therefore, He is our example. He is our Savior. Therefore, there should be no sin that we cannot have victory over. The pull is the same for all of us. Our temptation is collectively common to all of us. Notice the second promise. Not only is the temptation collectively common, but our temptation is completely conquerable. That's what I just said a minute ago. It's great leading into the second point. What did he say in our text? He said, uh, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But listen, but God is faithful. He'll not let you suffer to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of a state. Did you see the but God? Did you see where God just butts in to your temptation? God butts in with His faithfulness. He interrupts our temptation. Martin Luther said this. The great reformer Martin Luther said, when I find myself assailed by temptation... I forthwith lay hold of some text of the Bible which Jesus extends to me. Well, 1 Corinthians 10 13 has been extended to you today. This is a great holdfast in the midst of temptation. Notice in this temptation that is completely conquerable, notice it's conquerable by God's dependability. What is the centerpiece of this verse? God is faithful. Now listen, don't judge faithfulness based upon your faithfulness. Faithfulness to your partner, faithfulness to your company, faithfulness to your children. No, don't judge it by that because you know as well as I do, there have been moments where you've fallen flat on your face when it comes to the faithfulness on your end. But we're talking about the faithfulness of God faithfulness of God. The word faithful here means trustworthy, trustful, believable, sure and true. He is the epitome of faithfulness. He never fails us one time. It's conquerable by God's dependability. Our temptation is conquerable because God is dependable. Don't ever feel that the enticement to sin is greater than you can bear. God knows your threshold. He Knows your frame. What did our verse say? He'll not let you be tempted above that you are able. Where, you, where there's no way of escape. Where you become crushed and ensnared by the temptation. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 gives us insight. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. He knows what you can take. He knows what 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 hedge He can pull up and allow Satan to come in and tempt you, entice you to sin. He knows what you can withstand and what you cannot. And He'll not attempt you above that. You see, He will not allow you to face any temptation that you, by the grace of God, cannot overcome. Now that's not saying that you're guaranteed victory over every temptation. want to know why? Because most of us don't claim on the grace of God. When the way of escape opens, we don't take it. You see, that's why we falter. That's how we can be saved and still sin. Why? Because we will not depend on the faithfulness of God and on the grace of God and take the route of escape. We succumb to it. You see, the, the, oh, by His grace, there's nothing that we can't overcome. I heard a story about a little five-year-old girl that, uh, that disobeyed her parents and was sent to a room. After a while, she came to her mother uh, crying uh, uh, with big tears in her eyes. And she asked, why do we do bad things, mommy? And her mommy thought for a minute and said, well, sometimes the devil tells us to do bad things. And we listen to Him. We need to listen to God instead. Well, the little girl sobbed and said, but God doesn't talk loud enough. <laughs> God doesn't talk loud enough. Well, this text is pretty loud and clear. God will be faithful in the midst of our temptation. When you see temptation on the horizon, when the moment of temptation you encounter, remember, God is faithful. He is dependable in this very moment of temptation. We see that that our temptation is conquerable by God's dependability, but also it's uh, conquerable by God's detour. Notice what he goes on to say. God is faithful, who will not let you suffer to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation, alongside that temptation, also make a way of escape. The proof of God's faithfulness comes in, the form, uh, uh, comes in the form of the fact that he makes a way of escape, a detour, a bypass. When I lived in Atlanta, I loved 285 because I hated to go downtown in Atlanta. 285 is a big circle bypass all the way around Atlanta. Or oh, it made traveling in Atlanta, for the most part, easier compared to downtown. I love the bypass, the way of escape. God said that He'll give us a detour in the midst of temptation, along with it, side by side, when temptation strikes, when temptation strikes, the, the integrity and the dependability of God is on the line, and there will be a way of escape. You see, Joseph took that way of escape. Don't you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? He was in one of our but God, a couple of our but God messages. Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife day in and day out. He, uh, by the he was tempted by the sensual advances of Potiphar's wife. Uh, Potiphar's wife. And what did Joseph do in the heat of that temptation? He took an escape route. He left his garment and hightailed it out of the house. You see, that's that root of escape. You know the bypasses uh, the bypass we are we are encouraged to are in verse fourteen. Look at the bypass here in verse fourteen. Wherefore, dearly beloved, what does it say? Flee from idolatry. Flee from just like Joseph ran out of Potiphar's house. Flee from idolatry. He says, and he goes on to say in uh, in. uh, in chapter six and verse eighteen, to flee fornication, flee sensual immorality. In Second 2 Timothy two twenty-two, it says, "Flee useful love." Or John the Baptist said, "Flee the wrath to come." When it comes to temptation, we are to flee like a scalded dog, to run to go away from our temptation. Did you hear the one about the man who went to the doctor complaining that his arm was broken in two places? And the doctor's reply was, well then, stay out of those places. (laughs) Well listen, when it comes to temptation, we are to avoid those places where temptation lurks. I mean, that's just flat out common good cowboy sense. Amen? If you know you're going to be tempted down at the grocery store in the checkout line, avoid it. Do the best you can to get away from it. If you know you're going to be tempted on certain channels on the television... Get away from them. Don't go there. That's the way of escape. But what do we do? We neglect the way of escape. And we fall prey to the temptation. You see, God makes a bypass for temptation. And we can take it. Now the lost sinner, if you're here today. And you're lost and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have no choice. You are a slave to sin. He cannot escape sin. But Romans uh, 6 12 through 14 says, Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield your members of instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield your members, yield yourselves unto God and those that are alive from the dead. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Listen to this. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but you're under grace. Don't you sit there and say this sin has me bound and entangled and I can't break free of it. If you're saying that, you're lost. Because the Bible is clear. We are not bound by sin. We are not to be ruled over and, had, and dominion over us be taken by sin. There is a way out of sin. Take it. Take it. When it comes to the gossip, don't say it. Keep your mouth shut. When it comes to the slander, when it comes to the vile language that comes out of our mouth, when it comes to the lustful thoughts, do everything you can to avoid it. Because there is an avoidable route. He promises in this book, when you face temptation headlong, hold on to the promise that your temptation is just like everybody else's. You're not a special case. And that with that temptation, the faithfulness of God is on the line. Do you realize that in the midst of your temptation, the faithfulness of God is on the line? That His trustworthiness, that the very Word of God is on the line? If you can't find a way of escape, then who are we going to believe? This Bible? Or that you're just uh, predestined to some sort of sin in your life? No. God makes a way of escape. You see, there is it's conquerable by God's dependability. It's conquerable by God's detour. Now, finally, we see our, ent- our temptation is collectively common. Our temptation is completely conquerable. Finally, our temptation is carefully constructive. You know, the, the probably maybe the deductive reasoning part of you right now would say this. Listen. If He's a sovereign God, and He's in control of everything, and He has power to do whatever He will in my life, why doesn't He just permanently remove the temptations? Why doesn't He just take all the temptations out of our life as a whole? Well, if God can reveal a way of escape, then why, why not just remove the temptation altogether? Seems to make sense for the most part. Although you may not realize it though, the temptation you face is an important, constructive part of the Christian experience. You know, it comes to mind. comes to mind Isaac and Abraham. And you think about that? Why in the world? God has never asked for human sacrifice. The sacrifice of sinful man. God has never asked for that. And yet He comes to Abraham... Asking this, testing Abraham, proving Abraham. He didn't have to do that. But what did we find on the mount? Now I know that you love me with all your heart. You see, the testings and the temptations that come into our lives are for a purpose. Are are constructive in our Christian experience. Notice they're constructive prescriptively. They're, they're, they're constructionally prescribed. Now when we, get, uh, when we get around the subject of temptation and sin and the sovereignty of God, we must be clear where the Bible is clear. When you start talking about temptation, sin, and God's sovereignty, God's ability, you have to set the, set the record straight about what the Bible says about God and sin. What does it say in James 1.13? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So you need to know that if temptation comes in your life, it's not by God's active doing, it may be by His permissiveness or permission. You think about the life of Job. God did not cause those boils to come all over Job's body. God did not cause his children to be uh, destroyed in that house and his flocks to be. God permitted that to happen. What? For Job's testing. For God's glory. You see, it may not it's not done actively by God, but it may be done permissively by God. You see, constructively, these trials are prescribed by God. We must be clear where the Bible's clear. God has prescribed temptation, allowed temptation in our lives because He uses battles in our lives over sin to grow us and mature us. Paul didn't say, look at our verse. Paul didn't say, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted, period. He said, tempted above that you're able. You see, like I said before, God knows what you can withstand. God knows the way to, uh, to test you, the way to prove you, the way to prescribe uh, temptation to you. God would not allow you to be tempted, above, uh, tempted at all, but God would allow you to be tempted too great. In Matthew chapter three, or chapter 4 and verse 1, is a very interesting verse. Listen to what it says. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted above the devil. Think about that. How strange of a temptation, or how strange of a verse that God, or that that God, the Holy Spirit, led Jesus out to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. God's prescribed plan for Jesus was a temptation in the wilderness to prove him, but it was a prescription for his life for a particular, for, uh, for a particular reason. Uh, uh, so, so we see the same thing in your and I's life for the same reason. God prescribes temptation to come in our lives. Wow, that's how he molds us, that's how he shapes us. You know, a lot of times temptation comes in our lives to show us where we are. Because there's never, there's, never like, there's never like a moment of failure in the midst of temptation to have us cling closer to God. There's never been a moment in temptation which we, which we go through without succumbing to that temptation that we won't boast our chest out. We'll give all praise and glory to God if you're smart about it. If you're not smart about it and say, Boy, didn't I dodge at that time? Well, look out, buddy, it's coming. Or just around the corner. Because you're going to give glory to God one way or the other. But it's constructively prescribed in our life. God is doing something. God is molding and shaping us. Not only constructively prescribed, but constructively proving. The reason for the temptation is the proving. Look at what it said in the last phrase. That ye may be able to bear it. That she may be able to bear it. God is not finding out how well... You are holding up under temptation. He already knows. He's letting you know how you're holding up under temptation. He's letting you know how grown up you are in the family of God. The reality is that every time we're tempted, we have a chance to bring glory and honor to God by our obedience to God. You realize that God gets glory from temptation? How? When we take the way of escape. When we are obedient to God, God receives maximum glory in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our church. God gets glory when we follow Him in obedience. The word translated temptation here. There hath no temptation taking you with such a common man. But God will not suffer to be tempted with a temptation. That word temptation over and over in that verse is, it is a word that is translated uh, that has two basic meanings. And it's based on the context. One, it is an enticement towards sin. That is a temptation. Enticement towards sin. The other is is a test or a proving. It means to test or to prove something. One author wrote this, and I love this quote. He said, think of it this way. When the devil tempts you to do wrong, God is testing you to see whether you'll do right. Nobody likes tests in school, but tests show what you've learned. Isn't that the truth? Tests reveal what you've learned. Tests show whether or not we're grasping the subject. The next time Satan places before you an enticing offer towards sin, remember that you have an opportunity to prove to the Father that you're learning what the Spirit's been teaching. Amen. Amen. When you face temptation and you will take the route of escape, you're proving to God, I'm getting it. I'm growing, Lord. When you fail to take the route of escape, it's a sign that we've got a problem. It's a sign that we need to draw closer to Him. It's a sign that we're do a checkup. Amen. You know, when your car makes funny noises or when it putters wrong or sputters or whatever, you know that there's, it needs some more work done. It needs something done to it. Right, Wayne? Amen. Wayne knows. You need to do something to it. if it's uh, it's picking and sputtering around. Well, the same is true with our Christian experience. When temptation comes along and we find ourselves not taking the route of escape, not taking that dynamite faithfulness of God, boom, blows a hole right through the temptation. And we don't take that route and we fall flat on our face in temptation. You ought to take it. It's not a sign that you're more apt. Toward that sin, it's just something you're gonna to have to live with. That this sin constantly falling to it is the cross you got to bear. Far from it, it's to let you know there is something wrong, and you need to become closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I ain't no way because you know we'll never be we'll never be perfect until we're in glory. We'll never be perfect until we're kicking up gold dust. But we ought to. No, it's not that we ought to be sinless. But I tell you what, we ought to sin less. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? We ought to sin less in this life. You see, uh -uh, we need to, when the proving comes, it's constructive proving, uh, showing to us that we're understanding what the Spirit's teaching us. Finally, in closing, have you ever been tempted to sin and you're right on the verge of committing to that sin? Falling prey to that sin and the phone rings. Somebody knocks on the door. The, the, the channels change. Something interrupts. Somebody walks up all of a sudden. And and somebody interrupts. And you're almost relieved, aren't you? Oh, thank, thank the Lord. I was so tempted. Somebody come in and they and they and they interrupted that temptation. And I didn't fall prey to it. Listen, truth be known, here is a verse where no matter where we are no matter how alone we are, how isolated, no one will ever know when we fall in that temptation and there's no one there to save us from that temptation, we can say that God interrupts that temptation. If He's faithful, He'll make a way of escape. If He's faithful, His word's on the line. His faithfulness is on the line. If there's no route of escape, then God's not faithful. If God's not dependable, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. You can't know if you're going to heaven. If God is faithful, there's a way of escape and you can take that route and avoid falling into the trap of temptation. You see, God faithfully interrupts our temptation with a way of escape. The choice with you today is take it. Are you going to take it? When you're faced with temptation again, are you going to take the right path? Are you going to do like Joseph did it? Run like a scalded dog. That's what I, when I get down to the jail and I talk to those guys down at the jail and I tell them when you get out, get away from those friends. If they come around, you hightail it away from them. Don't be around them. Don't go back to them. You'll find yourself ensnared with that sin that so easily besets you again. Flee from fornication. Flee from idolatry. Flee uh, from uh, from wickedness. We ought to flee from temptation. As we come with a song of invitation, Miss Mary, Brother Tony, listen. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your temptation is, but I can tell you this: it's no stronger than anybody else is 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 experiencing right now. It's no different. You're not a special case. But because you're not a special case, that's a good promise. If they've had victory, you can have victory. Victory can be had. God is faithful. God promises. Let's all stand as we come with a song of invitation. God promises the fact that there will be a way of escape. Have you not been taking the way of escape? Have you not been taking that, the dynamite of God's faithfulness has blown a hole right through the temptation. Have you been not choosing that? Has Satan tried to put false bands on you? False bands that say, oh, there's no escape. Hey, those are paper bonds. They're not on the child of God. We're not bound by sin. Sin's to have no more dominion over us. We died in Christ. He lives in us. Sin shouldn't have any grapple hold on us. There's no sin in your life that you cannot have victory over. That's a good promise to hang on to. You can experience the faithfulness of God next time you encounter temptation by holding on to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is taking you but such as common to man. God is faithful. He won't tempt you. He won't let the devil tempt you to where there's no way of escape. But he'll make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Will you bear it? What has God proven to you over the last six months in the area of temptation? In the last six months, you review your life. In the last six months, What has God proven to you in the area of temptation? Could it be that God's been proven to me me and to you, you need to be closer to me because you're not learning what I've been trying to teach you. Maybe you need to come down to this altar and say, God, I want to draw closer to you. I'm not getting the lessons. I'm falling prey. God, help me to hold on to this verse the next time I'm tempted to run away like a scalded dog. If you're here today lost... If you're here today without a saving knowledge, Lord Jesus Christ, you are bound to sin. There's no way you can avoid it. You can't get away from it. You are under the slave masterage of the devil. You are his his servant. You're under his bondage. You can't avoid sin. You need to come down to this altar and put your trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus died, uh, shed his precious blood to pay your sin debt. You can receive him today and no longer be under that bondage of sin. That's the truth of God's promises. Will you receive them? Will you lay hold of them there? you like to come down this altar and say, God, today, this week, tomorrow, I'm laying hold of your promises. I'm not a special case. I'm a wicked sinner just like everybody else in this building. God, I'm coming to lay hold of this promise and knowing that there is victory. In I'm trusting to the unseen high. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home the unseen hand.